This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Today on Voice of Change, we're going to be going somewhere that we absolutely need to be going. And we're going to be talking about intimacy. We're going to be talking about sex and we're going to be talking to two incredible people who have written this amazing book called The Good Guys Guide to Great Sex. Now, this is, I want to say right at the beginning that, of course, this is an adult conversation and it is a Christian conversation with two incredible people that love God and that really want to break down myths and want to break down damaging messages that have been perpetuated by oftentimes Christians, Christian writing, or just messages that we have heard over time. Having said that, like I said, this is an adult conversation, so we are going to use terminology that will be appropriate for adults. So just that little bit of a disclaimer as we start Voice of Change today with myself, Lauren Jacobs. Welcome to Cape Pulpit. We love being your daily companion, and we also love, here on the show on Voice of Change, breaking down things that we know have been harmful, things that can be considered controversial but always necessary and always relevant so let me tell you about the incredible sheila ray gregor and her husband dr keith gregor now sheila is an award-winning marriage author she's a speaker she's a blogger she does a podcast she's written so many books and her husband dr keith is a pediatrician together they've been speaking at marriage conferences since two 2004. They have been talking about sex, resolving conflict, communication, you know, teaching this in a fun, relatable way, having their own experiences, but also having done such incredible research with thousands and thousands of people, men and women. Now, Sheila wrote the Good Girls Guide to Great Sex, and she's been updating that. And now there's a guide for men. When we talk about sex, it's not just about, you know, what we understand physically. It's also about one connection there's so much depth to this and Sheila and Keith are going to be unpacking this for us today I want to really encourage you I know that maybe to you you're thinking well I don't really need to hear about this because I'm okay you know maybe I'm older or maybe I'm too young you're never too old you're never too young to learn and learn and learn and to really unpack those like I said damaging messages that have been perpetuated and that we keep on hearing So welcome to the show. It's going to be a great one. We're really going to get deep into the topic. And also, not only are we going to be deep into the topic, I'm giving away a copy of this incredible book, The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex, because we want men to be empowered and we want them to be empowered with the knowledge and understanding. And so head on over to 729K Pulpit on Facebook, and there you will see the show post. Enter your name, leave a comment there. And you will be entered into the draw to see who wins the book. And like I said, this is a fantastic book. And, you know, we're going to be breaking it open today. And you will know exactly why you want to get a copy of this and why you want to be reading it. And so welcome to the show. It's going to be great. So stick around. Sheila and Keith are with me after this. Keith and Sheila, it is so good to have you both with me today. I am really looking forward to our conversation. And it is so exciting, Sheila, to have you back on the show. The last time you were with me, you know, there was actually such a huge response to what we were talking about. We were talking about sex. We're going to be talking about it again today from a different angle. And a lot of people actually were really a lot of women.
woman contacted me after that show and we're excited about it. So today, I believe it's going to be no exception, except we got the awesome Keith with us today as well. So welcome <laughs> to you both today. It's lovely to be here with you. Thank you. It's going to be a great conversation again, I'm sure. Thanks, thanks for inviting us. You know, it is it is interesting when we talk about sex because it is something that, you know, sometimes people, you know, particularly Christians and the church don't talk about. We, we often say, you know, people don't talk about sex and they don't talk about money. You know, finances, we don't talk about that and we don't talk about sexual stuff, you know. We just don't talk about that. So today it is good to have this conversation and to be breaking things wide open. You both co-authored an incredible book called The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex. And Keith, I want to start with you because this title is quite interesting, isn't it? You know, would you break it down for us and say, okay, you know, where did this start from? You know, how did you come on this idea? Why did you want to write this book? Who is it really for? Sure. Well, Sheila has been writing about sex and marriage for years now on her blog. And uh, 10 years ago, she wrote a, a book called The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. Uh, and it's been, you know, very well received. And it, it's been a very uh, popular book among many Christian women about how to deal with sexuality and how to, you know, incorporate a godly view of sexuality into your marriage. Um, but uh, there was never a guy's version. So Sheila said, hey, how would you like to come alongside me and write a book about the most intimate details of marriage together. And of course, who wouldn't say, uh, who wouldn't jump the chance to do that? So uh, I said, yeah, let's, let's do it. And so the, the deal was that when we, re when we wrote The Guy's Guide, um, Sheila's done a lot of research on this. This is not just our thoughts and our mm. ideas and, you know, wishful thinking. This is a, based on studies that Sheila's done uh, in excess of 30,000 people now. Yeah. Uh, and so basically she said when we did The Good Guy's Guide, she also wanted to redo the good girl's guide and revamp that so we released them both together uh the good mm -hmm. guy's guide and the good girl's guide to great sex mm -hmm. i love that and sheila you talk about sex like every day not not <laughs> that means that sounds strange right but like just because that is you know what you're called to do and and you're talking about it on podcasts and books and with people it's incredible so you know, having research and being studying and doing all of this and getting 30,000 people, close to 30,000 people, you know, through surveys, this is incredible research. This is not just like Keith said, your ideas or your own things. This is actually really researched. It's powerful. This is, you know, stats. It's, you know, can even be for the academic world. In the Good Guys Guide, what did you really look at when you were surveying and when you were researching, when you were telling people, hey, you know, take these surveys, we want to learn from you, we want to understand, what were you guys looking at with that? We were trying to figure out if the way that the church tends to talk about sex is even accurate. Because if I can sum up most of the messages about sex that we get in church, it goes something like this. God created sex to be a beautiful thing in marriage. It's something that men really need and that women get to provide. <laughs> and so have sex as often as possible mm -hmm. so that you will feel, so that he will feel connected to you. <laughs> well, and sometimes it's not even that nice. Sometimes it's like have sex as often as possible so he won't lust or engage in wow. pornography or these other things or have an affair on you because 
you have to do this to keep him placated so he won't stray. That, mm. I mean, it's it's sad what we say sometimes in the church. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. what we were looking at was how do these messages affect the quality of people's marriages and sex lives? And how can we get back to what God did design sex for? So in the guy's guide, what we're saying is basically, look, guys, <laughs> women can enjoy sex just as much as you can, Mm. but it's really your job to help get your wife there. And so let's figure out how you can rock her world. Mm. (laughs) And that's what it's all about. Wow. And I love that. I love that you both brought this up, the messages that we have received over time. You know, within Christianity, you have the purity culture and, you know, there's so much talk about that as well, how damaging that was for so many people. I personally have met so many people that are, you know, are millennials like me that have been severely damaged by the purity culture and the messages that have come out about that. And, you know, there's just different messages you hear, but like, like you also saying, and we're going to touch on this, you know, I, I feel like I'm jumping ahead, but we're going to touch on some of these messages today because I think it's so important to uncover them. Before I get to that, basically, if you could sum up what you discovered when you did this research and you looked at guys' answers in the surveys. What did you actually discover? Was there anything really, uh, you know, startling or that you didn't expect to come up that people were saying? Or was it kind of like, okay, this is confirming what we feel, what we know, and what we see is the problem with the messages coming out often of the Christian church? Uh, well, I guess I would say both. <laughs> like there were things that we thought we were going to find and we found, but there's some things that were a little bit surprising as well. Um, one of the things that really, one of the things that we found that didn't surprise us was the orgasm gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically when you ask men, do you, how often do you have uh, orgasm during a sexual encounter? 95% of men say they orgasm all the time or almost all the time. Mm-hmm. The corresponding number for women is 48%. Wow. So there's, a, uh, there's an orgasm gap of 47% there. There's a lot of women having mm-hmm. sexual intercourse, but not actually reaching orgasm. And we sort of in the church have think that's okay. Because, you know, a lot of times we think sex is sexual intercourse. For instance, if someone said, and we're not going to say this to you, someone said, did you have sex last night? Mm-hmm. The thought in people's mind is, did you have intercourse? And one of the things we try and do in these books is broaden the definition of sex to everything that you as a couple experience sexually together with the aim of mutual satisfaction, pleasure, and bonding. It's not just about, you know, tab A and slot B. Mm. <laughs> it's, a lot, it's a lot more than that. And so the issue with the orgasm gap is basically uh, we have a lot of um, marriages where she, we know that women are capable of sexual pleasure. God designed women to be able to have multiple orgasms. They can have orgasms for very prolonged periods of time. Women are created to be very sexual. And yet in the church, we have taught that sex is something for men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I just don't see how we ever got to the point where we didn't see that women were created for sexuality. And one of the things we're trying to say in the Good Guys Guide is, if women are capable of great sexual enjoyment, and if there's a gap, a 47-point gap, we as men need to kind of up our game a little bit yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe we need to be learning some new things and having some new <laughs> attitudes to make sex better for both of us. Yeah. And here, here's something that can just illustrate the problem. When we asked both men and women, does he do enough foreplay? Uh, and when she frequently orgasms, like upwards of 90% of men and women say, yeah, he does, which is great. Yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if we look at the women who don't orgasm, 
71% of guys still say they do enough, Mm -hmm. but so do 52% of women. And so the question is, enough for what? Like, why are we giving people points? And what it comes down to that we've understood from our focus groups is that the assumption is that she isn't sexual. And if she isn't enjoying intercourse, the problem is that she is somehow broken. Mm. And that's what so many women have told us. My body just doesn't work. I guess I just don't like sex. I'm just doing it for him. Uh, and, you know, he's trying, but it just doesn't feel that good for me. And and that's just heartbreaking. And yeah. it was never meant to be that way. And so in, in the book and in the corresponding one for women, we really outline what the sexual response cycle looks like and how it's different for men and women and how understanding the reasons that God created our bodies the way he did and how he created our bodies can actually help us overcome that gap mm. and feel much closer in the bedroom. I've found as well as something that I found among young women is that a lot of times we have this narrative that we've been hearing for so many decades. You know, even if you're, you know, sitting at a barbecue with friends, you know, as we call Bri here in South Africa, people are talking, you know, if, if sex comes up, then it's always like, oh, you know, men always want sex. And the assumption is that women don't. And I found like among a lot of young women that I know that are, re- you know, newly married and that kind of thing, they they actually, you know, do want sex and they are in that space, but then they carry a lot of shame because in the we keep hearing this message of women aren't you know that's not for women kind of thing you know women women men want sex more than women do and women don't want it as much but yet i have found uh, particularly along among many people that i know that that's not actually the case and then women begin to feel shame and then they don't talk about you know the fact that actually that's not true you know we as women need to be part of the conversation and have you discovered that as well women can actually begin to carry shame just because they're actually normal healthy you know people that God created them to be and you know it's it's actually incredible that we have these messages and we still hear them perpetually that oh you know men want sex all the time and this kind of thing I, I find that these messages are quite damaging to both women and men but particularly among the women that I know that's actually one of the reasons that I rewrote the good girl's guide to great sex is that we have a very gendered way of approaching sex. So we say women are like this and men are like this. Men are visual. Women aren't men want sex. Women don't men want the physical release. Women just like the connection. And we say Mm -hmm. things like this and we present it as if that's the way God made it. But it's simply not true. What we found is that In 58% of marriages, yes, he has the higher sex drive. Mm -hmm. But in 23% of marriages, it's shared. And in 19%, she has the higher sex drive. So it certainly is not that he always has the higher sex drive. And when we talk about things in such gendered terms, it's very easy for people to feel like they're freaks or that they're somehow wrong or sinful when they just don't fit the mold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Sorry, Keith, that's, that's so important that maybe people feel sinful because of, of this very reality. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, even what Sheila's saying about the whole idea that men want physical release and women want emotional connection. I mean, uh, sex is meant to be not just a physical thing. It's meant to be an emotional and spiritual connection as well. I mean, God talks about his relationship to the church in sexual terms in the Bible. Uh, We are the bride, right? Like these, this is a common 
theme throughout the Bible. Sex is meant to be more than just physical. And yet somehow in the church, we think that it's physical for men and spiritual for women. <laughs> and yeah. and women, who, women who enjoy the physical part of it, if something's not quite right with them. And men who want spiritual and emotional connection and sex are not really manly. Uh, and that's mm. crazy um, because it's meant to be a rich experience for both men and women. Hmm. Uh, Keith, I love that you brought that up because that was actually leading me to my next question. You know, when we talk about intimacy, it was designed so that there's this oneness, you know, the closeness, the companionship, the connection. How does this work? I mean, like, like you're saying to us as well, that this is for men and women. We can't assume that, you know, women just want a connection, emotional connection, whereas men just want the physicalness. This, how can we stereotype like that? I find it incredible that the world has actually stereotyped this. When yet God created sex to be mutually enjoyable equally and also for both partners to experience that oneness, that connection, that spiritual connection, intimacy. It seems that we've lost that aspect and that truth about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, when we look at our data, it's actually quite interesting because couples who feel emotionally close during sex have much better sex. <laughs> like it yeah. all feeds each other. And when we focus only on phys the physical or when we focus only on how often do we have sex? So our sex life is good if we have sex X number of times per week. And that's the measure. We actually don't end up as satisfied as when we focus on the richness of our relationship. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, though, that a lot of times people don't feel close during sex for all kinds of reasons. Maybe there's porn use in the marriage, and so you feel degraded or used. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's no emotional connection outside the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And so sex is being used to help you feel connected without actually having to connect. And that's not a healthy thing. That can't be sustained over time. Mm -hmm. um, so there could be a whole lot of reasons. Maybe one of you even has, one or both of you has sexual trauma in your past and you mm -hmm. haven't worked through that yet. Or maybe you've just grown up in church and you've heard a lot of negative messages because the church has not handled this well and mm -hmm. it makes sex seem really dirty. So even though we want that connection, there's so many things working against it. And that's a lot of what we're trying to tackle in these books is how can we how can we debunk a lot of this stuff? How can we unpack it so that you really can feel truly known? You know, mm -hmm. that's what sex is. It's a deep knowing. Um, that's what makes it so beautiful. It's not supposed to be an owing. It's not something yeah. you, you have to give. It's something that you give because you're celebrating your relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so profound that the first time that that sex is mentioned in the Bible is when it talks about Adam knew his wife, Eve. Uh, and we often look at that. And Sheila jokes in the book about how when she was a junior high and she heard that, she was kind of giggling because it's like God's God's embarrassed of using the right word. He's, <laughs> he's saying knowing because yeah. it's, it's a euphemism. I don't think that's a euphemism. I think God's trying to teach us something there. Sex is meant to be a knowing. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be a deep intimate experience. It's not just physical. Uh, and that's so profound. It's the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. And, mm. and it's a knowing. Mm. I love that as well. And I think of the Hebrew word for that. I think that we know is yada, that deep mm. knowing someone, that deep connection with someone. And I think that isn't that is that a part of the reason why, you know, oftentimes people have sexual trauma or they carry that because maybe when they were a teenager, maybe they were too young, they had their first experience and it, it was not a, a good experience, you know, and there's... Uh, 
obviously, of course, sexual trauma is also when there's been abuse, you know, or assault mm. and that kind of thing as well. But if there are relationships where a person feels used or where they feel injured in this area, is that kind of how sexual trauma kind of happens? I, I do know a lot of people do have that question and I know that it's a little bit off of you know what we're talking about here but sexual trauma is something that people don't talk often about we don't talk often about it enough in like public spaces together when we are you know together even in church as well and sexual trauma i think is a big part of why you know people just don't connect in marriage as well and i think it's something that we shouldn't ignore we should create that space for people to to kind of heal and have you both found that a lot of people actually do carry sexual trauma and it is it is a part of why we are seeing you know couples that are struggling oh yeah the numbers are huge I don't know what they are in South Africa. I mean, mm -hmm. the latest that I've heard is one in five women and one in one in nine boys. I think that's conservative. I'm pretty sure it's mm -hmm. higher than that. But if sex is supposed to be a deep knowing of someone and instead it becomes a using of someone, mm -hmm. that's like an erasure of you as a person. And, and that's one of the reasons it's so traumatic. And I, I just recommend that anyone who's gone through sexual trauma get some licensed therapy. You know, there's there's amazing yeah. therapy techniques that can really help now. And I've heard from so many, both women and men, who have uh, gotten through this with EMDR, um, which is a specific type of therapy. It, it seems really weird. It's mm -hmm. about eye movement, but it really mm -hmm. helps. Because the problem with trauma is that your brain is stuck. Your brain gets mm -hmm. stuck in fight, flight, freezer fawn mode and it's very hard to get it unstuck and so that you can and just enjoy life normally yeah. again and so this just helps you get unstuck um so that the triggers and the flashbacks don't become aren't, aren't always there anymore and mm -hmm. you can start to be in the moment again without that panicky feeling mm -hmm. that's that's really good thank you so much sheila oh, you mentioned the word using there you know, have you found, like, I want to be very open about this. Have you found that there are Christian couples who actually one partner is actually using the other partner for sex? Because sometimes I have heard people refer to that. You know, I do feel used even with Christians. It's, you know, we keep on hearing, you know, God created this and it's so beautiful. I'm feeling used in my marriage. Mm -hmm. I think it, definitely. I mean, first of all, marital rape is a real thing. Yeah. And we need to talk about it because we're looking at between 10 and 20% of marriages where that is occurring. Yeah. Uh, and marital rape doesn't always look like someone holding you down, kicking and screaming. It's not necessarily the typical rape that we think of. Mm -hmm. Anytime that you need to have sex or do a sexual favor in order to prevent something bad from happening, that is coercion. Mm -hmm. So for instance, I've heard from women who say, I need, I need to have sex with my husband before our small group meets at our house or else he will say things to embarrass me deliberately. Mm -hmm. Or I need to have sex with my husband before we have a big family event or before we go to the beach or else he'll give me the silent treatment and he won't look after the kids and he'll punish me all day. Mm -hmm. And if you have to have sex to stop him from punishing you or to stop him from being mean to the children, um, that is a form of coercion and that isn't okay yeah that has nothing to do with and and this is this is part of the problem in the church is that we misinterpret the verses from first corinthians 7 
where it says, you know, do not deprive one another. Mm -hmm. Those verses were not meant to say you need to give your your spouse intercourse or sexual favors whenever they want. Mm -hmm. Because sex biblically is not one-sided intercourse. Sex is something which is mutual, intimate, and pleasurable for both. And if you are feeling used during sex, you are already being deprived and those verses don't apply. Well, I think that this is very, very important that you're bringing this up because at 1 Corinthians 7, oh my goodness, it's been used over and over <laughs> again, hasn't it? Oh, yes. oh yeah. most One of the most weaponized verses, especially against women in the Bible. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. I love that you brought that up. We're going to go to a quick music break, but we don't want you to go anywhere because Keith and Sheila are still with me after this song. We want you to take some time to think about this because we've been talking about so many things here, so many rich realities. And maybe for some of you listening, maybe you see yourself here. Maybe you see yourself in this conversation that we're talking about. Maybe you've received messages, you know, from within your church, within your Christian community that have been actually harmful to you in this area. Maybe you're experiencing harm in this area because, you know, something's wrong in your marriage. And we want you to take some time to reflect on this. And when we get back, we're going to continue the conversation. We're going to keep going with this. We don't want you to go anywhere. Don't forget that on our Facebook page, on Kate Pulpit's Facebook page, we're giving away a copy of this book. And we want you to be able to get it. So run on over there during the song and get onto the Facebook page, enter the competition, and right after the show, you could win a copy. So don't go anywhere. We'll see you after the song. You're with me, Lauren Jacobs on Voice of Change. And today I am with Sheila and Keith Gregor. And we are talking about the book that they co-authored together, which is quite incredible, The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex. And also, this is just not about, you know, one aspect. This is about so many aspects. Now, Keith and Sheila actually want us to go over some, you know, things that messages that we often hear. And I'm going to kind of bring it back to both of you, whomever you want to kind of jump in on this. I want to really tackle some messages that we hear within the Christian church, within the Christian communities and say, this might be harmful messages. You know, one of the things that we hear a lot about is, you know, kind of this thing of what I call a barter system. So it's kind of like, I'm going to do the dishes for you. Um, you know, like a guy is going to be like doing the dishes and then you're going to give me some favors. You know how this, this is something that happens a lot. I've heard this so many times from people, ah, you know, he does the dishes, I do this. And this is quite harmful, though. I mean, this is like kind of a trade-off. Yeah, well, this is transactional sex, right? This is like, it's a transaction. I do X, you do Y. Um, and I don't know if that describes intimate, mutual, and pleasurable to you, <laughs> but I think most yeah. people would not find that intimate, mutual, and pleasurable. It's not intimate because it's not something you're doing together. It's something you're doing as an obligation. It's not mutual because it's kind of like you're now under compulsion because you signed a contract. <laughs> the yeah. dishwasher is empty. Now I guess I have to. <laughs> no. Uh, and then it's certainly not pleasurable because, you know, for her, she's doing it because she feels like she has to. And for he, he's getting duty sex. And what guy wants duty sex? Mm. Uh, men don't want that either. So this is this is not what the, the, the high bar is for sex. Now, the interesting thing is when Sheila and we talk about this particular issue. We talk about this particular issue in the uh, in the book where we uh, we talk about the you know, sex begins in the kitchen, but not the way you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And and we use this whole idea because that's the thought, you know, if you help with the dishes in the kitchen, then you're going to get the stuff you want in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And that's a common idea in the Christian church, but it's not helpful. Uh, but when you ask women, hey, what are things you can do to get you, your husband to get you more in the mood? They do talk about doing housework and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So the misinterpretation is then A will lead to B. But the reason that, that women say that is because, you know, sometimes they're just tired. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and having some help, they can have a little bit of mental energy to actually enjoy sex. But the big thing is this. The reason that's such a turn on to so many women is because what it's signifying to them is that their husband is a partner in this relationship. Mm -hmm. Their husband is a responsible adult. You know, he he dirties dishes, so he cleans dishes. (laughs) He makes mess, so he cleans up messes. He's he's a capable adult who's partnering with her in life. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes women attracted to men. So it does work, but not for the reasons that we tend to say it works. It works because it shows a commitment to us as a couple and everything that our family means together for the two of us. Hmm. That is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. And Sheila, I wanted to ask you, you know, okay, that, that whole thought of, you know, transactional. And again, you know, women often say sometimes that, you know, okay, I'm just, I'm not in the mood for sex. I'm just not in the mood. And and, and then, it, then the husband often complains like, okay, frequency of sex is not happening enough, you know. What do guys really have to learn? It, it, you know, can it be broken down? That That is probably a really big question that I'm saying like, hey, what can we tell men that they need to learn here today in like the next few minutes? But I think there are key essentials, aren't there, that men can actually begin to maybe think about when it comes to this topic and think about when it comes to their wives because we kind of haven't been taught the correct way. We haven't been given as newly married couples, even engaged couples. People have not empowered young people, you know, and and even people who've been married for a long time. This information hasn't been out there. You know, what do men need to really learn and, and understand? Okay. If you think frequency is the problem, you're misdiagnosing the problem. So please listen to me on this. Frequency is not the problem. Frequency is the symptom. Okay. I'm going to list five things, Mm -hmm. five things. And when these things are present, the frequency issue tends to take care of itself. Mm -hmm. So here's those five things. Mm -hmm. When the woman frequently reaches orgasm, when there's high marital satisfaction, when she feels emotionally close to him during sex, when there's no porn use, and when there's no sexual dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So if frequency is an issue, we have to start asking what's going on. Mm-hmm. Not how can I pressure her or him to have more sex, but instead what is going on and how can we address the underlying issues? Mm-hmm. Just like that. Those five things. You just broke it down for us. It's so cool. <laughs> Hello. You know, t- start taking some notes. Some, You know, to the listeners, there's some notes that we need to be taking here. I think it's very important that we realize that we can learn. Not so. This shouldn't be a topic that we don't talk about. It shouldn't be a topic that we don't learn about. And and I have found, and I, I want to say this openly as well, uh, quite a few young women that I know have said, well, my husband just doesn't really want to learn about these things because he feels like it kind of takes away from his masculinity to say well I don't really know why my my wife isn't satisfied or, or maybe I don't really understand this whole thing 
But in order to get to that point to say, actually, maybe there's something I need to learn. Maybe I do need to read this book. You know, maybe I do need another man to kind of help me that knows what's happening in this area. Have you found that this is a problem? Because I have heard young women say, my husband doesn't really want to, you know, listen to these things because he feels it's going to be a threat towards him kind of as a man. You know, he feels like he knows what's happening. You know, is that a problem that we need to first uncover before we begin the conversation about sex? Uh, Well, I think there's two major things that we talk about in the church specifically regarding sex uh, that we tell men that kind of set men up for for failure in this area. Mm -hmm. I think the first thing we've already touched on is that we teach men that sex is an entitlement for you. Mm. So once you get married, she owes it to you. Um, And we say it sometimes subtly and sometimes blatantly. Mm. Um, And that is a destructive teaching. Um, It is not something that she owes you because you put a ring on her finger. Uh, And when we have that attitude, we will destroy our wife's libido. We will ruin any chance of having true intimacy because now it becomes an issue of an obligation she needs to perform. So I think that's an attitude we need to stop. And if you have that attitude, we need to check that at the door. (laughs) Yeah. The second attitude I see that we haven't talked about yet is the idea that if you're a man, you don't need to learn. Uh, real men know what to do and they just do it. Hmm. <laughs> and it is, it, that is, there's, the, there's a very good word for that in the Bible. It's called pride. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you know, if, if we think we have nothing to learn, if we are not open to seeing new ways of looking at problems, then, you know, we'll never find the solutions. And I find it so interesting how many times Sheila has people coming to her blog, men coming to her blog, wanting a saying they want a better, richer sex life, and then being told things like, you know, check your idea of entitlement, check your, be willing to, and open to learn. And then they spout Bible verses at her and say that they, that she's not biblical and, mm-hmm. and then they leave. And it's like, well, if, if you want a solution to your problem, but you don't want to listen to the solution that's being presented, mm-hmm. when the solution is saying things like, be humble, <laughs> yeah. put others first, do these not sound like Christian principles to you? <laughs> yeah. So if you think that the, you can't be a Christian man and be humble and able to learn and able to serve your wife, um, I, I just wonder, you know, what kind of Christianity are you following? Because mm. Jesus said to put others ahead of yourself. Mm. Yeah, and I just want to say, too, it's okay if when you first get married, sex just doesn't work the way you thought it was going to. There is a learning curve for most people, even people who end up really enjoying their sex lives. There usually is a learning curve because our bodies don't necessarily work the same way. And that's why it's so important to understand the sexual response cycle, to understand how to work with her body, uh, to help her learn how to listen to her body, to help him figure out you know, when you do what, because if you Mm. rush things, it's not going to feel fun. It's going to feel like a pap smear. Mm. Um, And so, you know, (laughs) these things are okay to not understand when you first get married. But when things aren't working well, that's your sign that, okay, this is, it's all right, but let's make this a really fun research project that we figure out as opposed to, well, she just needs to figure it out on her own and I'm just going to keep doing what I'm already Mm. doing. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think the book, The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex, is really excellent at starting at basics. Like we go through all the anatomy and, you know, all the details and descriptions and definitions and that sort of thing. And then we move into the sexual response cycle. And we talk how, you know, sexual sexually our bodies are designed to function in that environment hmm. so there's a lot of times people just don't have that kind of basic knowledge and they want to i'm th- speak, thinking specifically of men here mm-hmm. they want to make this a good experience for their wife but for them sex is pretty automatic and hmm. they don't know what she needs to make it feel just as good for her and this book if you do want to be that kind of a husband is going to really help you to be able to you know, sort of unleash that part of your wife as well, too, so that you can both have an amazing time. Mm. I love that. And you two have been such a blessing today. And I know not only to me that's been listening, you know, I've had the pleasure of having the book and reading through it. And it's so cool. And Sheila, I can't wait to see the updated Good Girls Guide. So that's going to be next on my list. Well done for doing (laughs) that. And, you know, I want to say thank you, Sheila and Keith, for being with me today. I know that not only have I, like I said, been, you know, inspired and blessed and excited about this conversation, but I know that the listeners have as well. And for those who have been listening that maybe now feel okay i need to do what sheila said and make this a fun research project with my partner you know it is about just doing that you know maybe framing it like that and i love that doing a research project you know make it fun you know let's let's discover ways that we can do that and this is so cool i'm so grateful for you both to actually tackle this topic to speak about it so openly and to also remove the messages that have been very damaging that we have heard over and over again, particularly within Christianity, that we can uncover that have been so damaging and that we can stop those messages. So Sheila Keith, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for this book. I cannot wait to give it away right at the end of the show. And thank you so much for being here today. And I really pray that God will just continue to bless you in this powerful ministries that you guys have and that so many lives will be changed through the books that you've been writing. It's so cool. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having us. It was great to be here. Thank you, guys. And see you in South Africa, hopefully soon. (laughs) Take care. Now, if you're sitting there feeling a little bit downhearted because you're thinking, wow, you know, as a woman, I realize that my partner has lots that they need to learn. You know, maybe it's the humility they need to learn first before the actual physical learning, before the book learning. I want you to be encouraged today to know that, you know what, anything is possible. And to you who's maybe sitting there and, you know, maybe you're thinking, okay, I need to get a book like this. I want to encourage you to do that because this is not just about this physical book. This is about the message in the pages. And I know that there are many areas of our lives where we do struggle. We don't know who to ask for help. We don't know where to go to get the correct help and guidance. So many of us have, you know, maybe gone to someone and asked the question, got the wrong answer and being hurt or shamed in the you know the outcome of that so i want to encourage you to learn and to keep learning and to know that if like i said you're feeling downhearted because maybe you're triggered in some way through this conversation maybe you've experienced trauma sexually maybe there's things that you're still you know struggling with within yourself maybe you realize while you're sitting there actually there's a barter system that's happening in my marriage it's transactional and actually now suddenly i realize that it's not okay i've always 
felt it's not okay in my heart, but no one's ever said it's not okay. Today they said, you know, this is problematic. How do I fix this? How do I change that? I want to encourage you to know that if any part of this conversation has been good for you, then, you know, that is fantastic. If any part of it has been difficult, then I really do also encourage you to go over to Sheila's website to love, honor, and vacuum is what it's called. A little bit tongue in cheek to love, honor, and vacuum. Go on over to her website or just type in Sheila Gregor. Her surname is spelled G-R-E-G-O-I-R-E. And she is known as the Christian Dr. Ruth for reason, giving marriage advice, giving advice on sexual realities, and really being a voice of change, a voice of hope and encouragement and learning. And if you feel you need that help, then please go on over to her website and get that help, you know, get that voice and get that mentor, get that advice. And that is so powerful because we know that this is an area of life that, you know, can be quite difficult. So I want to encourage you with that. Not all is a loss. And if you're just sitting there going, okay, myself and my spouse, we're going to do a fun research and we're going to get that book and we're going to read it together. I think that's very special and empowering as well. So I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation. It's been so great for me to have conversations like this because we can look at messages that we receive all the time and realize that sometimes the things that we hear are not truth and when we analyze it we can go okay we're uncovering the lie and we are now focusing on the truth and that is beautiful until next week it's been super great to have you with me be good god bless and shalom shalom this insert was brought to you by radio k pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.